Welcome back to Think Deeper. I'm Jack Wilkie, joined as always. I always say as always, but it's not always as always. It's by Will Harib and Joe Wilkie. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, I know we put out a little while back that I was moving uh, to Tennessee, living a little closer to Joe. We actually got to spend the weekend together this weekend, and word on the street is that Will is going to be uh, joining our crew up here back in Middle Tennessee pretty that soon. That is correct. Yeah. That is so. correct. Uh, in fact, you know, you're close enough to make the drive now. And so we got to meet this last weekend. We're going to meet again this week, planning more content. We keep telling you guys, there's so much coming from Focus Press, uh, right now. In fact, today just is the launch of Joe's new video series, Focus on the Word. Uh, really encourage you guys to check that out. It's, uh, what, 10, 15 minute videos uh, that Joe put together, walking you through how to exegete a passage, how to dig deep in your Bible study of a passage. And so you're going to know each week's passage better, but more importantly, you're going to learn habits and skills for your own Bible uh, study, marking, highlighting, um, just, again, digging deeper in the Word. And so uh, Ephesians 1, 1 through 14 is your first one, right, Joe? Yep, yep. And then we got, um, I'm going to do for second week, just a little teaser. Um, we're going to dig a little more, 3 through 10. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. There's more to find in there. This is more on the basic, and I don't pretend to think that this is a um, the deepest exegesis form of exegesis you can do. As a matter of fact, number one rule of exegesis is context and reading through the entire book. We're not doing that, but it is it is to help you understand. Like we read these passages over and over, there's a lot to find in these passages. There's a lot of cool things to pull out, and I hope it it helps it helps you deepen your love for God's word and and get you excited about some of the things that can be found in each passage. So. I'm yeah. excited about it. Great intro to Bible study. Um, so we've, we've got that. Again, we've got more things in the hopper. Uh, as always, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Turn your notifications on so you see when we have new videos. But we always say the best way to keep up with us, go to focuspress.org. The mail sign-up pop-up will show up. Sign up for that. Every week we're going to put out what we're doing that's new, our latest podcast, our sales of the week. Uh, we just started holiday sale prices, and so those are up. Uh, check out discounts on books, magazines, t-shirts, everything we sell. Uh, and so uh, focuspress.org, sign up for the mailing list, and check out Joe's new video series on YouTube. And yeah, I guess that's all we got for this week. Let's get into this episode. So this week's episode was one that has actually been requested twice um, directly to me. Um, and, and it's one that I think is... We've kind of had it on the back burner a little bit just because there's been some more pressing subject matters, but at the same time, one that I think we were excited to to kind of at least share some ideas um, with you guys, but also with each other, and that is this idea of spiritual maturity. How can one be more spiritually mature? And so one of the things that we did is we said, okay, Will, you come up with three, Jack, you come up with three, I'll come up with three, and then let's see in what ways we overlap. And we actually came up with seven. So we had a couple different areas of overlap, but that's it. Um, and we're excited with with to bring you guys these seven ideas because what we're going to do is we're actually setting a timer and we're going to try to do seven and seven, um, which I think is an alcoholic drink, but uh, don't quote me on that. I don't I don't drink. Um, but either way... There's no correlation there. Right? No, no correlation. That's right. But I have a timer and I'm going to set it for seven minutes. And so we're going to try to dip in and out of these things fairly fast and just give you guys 49 minutes of how to be more spiritually mature. Fellas, anything you'd add to that? That that kind of sets the stage here for this episode. Anything you'd add to that? 
Yeah, I'll jump in real quick. Um, the reason this matters is because there are so many Christians that are incredibly comfortable with basically where they are spiritually. You know, maybe they're they have been baptized for twenty years. They're faithful church attendees. They might even go above and beyond and you know go to Bible class and that kind of thing. But other than that, they're not really taking any active steps to grow. They're not seeking to become more and more mature. Um, it's kind of this mindset of, well, I'm already a Christian. I've been baptized. I, I got what I need to get, which is understanding the plan of salvation. Again, I was baptized. And so I'm pretty much covered. I've got to I've got to put in my time and effort in other places with my family, with my career, with my job, with whatever it is. And so there's not really a ton of effort being put into Okay, where, you know, into considering where am I spiritually? How can I grow? How can I mature? And so, and I think maybe part of that, the reason for that is, is because we ask that question, how do I grow spiritually? How do I mature spiritually? And we don't know the answer. We don't know where to start. And so that's the purpose for this episode. That's why we want to get into this. Um, I think Jack has our first one. Jack, do you have anything to add to the intro before getting into that first area? Yeah, I want to get to the other side. You mentioned people who don't think about maturing, but I think one of the other problems is churches don't introduce that to people of like all right you got baptized maybe you have sure. a new christian study and that that's it and not having like hey this is the first step on a long journey a lifelong journey to mature and i think a lot of people and, and the kind of people maybe who requested this with joe are those who it's like well, well now what what do i do and there really right. isn't an answer other than oh we'll come back wednesday come back sunday we'll have more classes and you know a seminar here and there uh, you know learning opportunities take those but those aren't going to get you there. And, and, you know, in Church Reset, I emphasize heavily disciple-making, bringing people to maturity in Christ, of showing them what it means to follow in his footsteps and, and be complete in Christ. And and we don't really have a path for doing that. And I think there's a lot of frustration with some folks like, man, I, I really want to do this, but I don't have a clue where. Right. And so... Um, we, we did that Church Reset series, gave some, some discussion on that, but this is going to go a different direction on if you don't have that, if your church isn't doing those things, what can you do? So let, let, let's get into the first one, which is... I got my timer. You got your timer. All right, seven and seven. Ready? Shout go. out John Elway. Okay, uh, is to I mean, develop an attitude of humility, is coming to the church, coming to study, coming to relationships with others, not thinking highly of yourself. I mean, there's a humility that of becoming a Christian. You're accepting the grace of Christ. You're saying, I can't do this myself. I can't save myself. But a humility in your learning and understanding. If you come in thinking you know it all, you can't mature. You don't, There's nothing to learn. Right. Uh, and this is what James is talking about in James 1, where you know we always hear that uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And it's, you know, we use it as, well, don't get angry. But contextually, he's talking about receiving the word implanted. You know, when, when you're learning, you're growing, you're, you're receiving these truths, don't get mad about it. Don't speak back. Be quick to listen. Take, he, he even says to receive it with meekness. Right, with meekness. Yeah, have that humility. Have that, you know, willingness to say, I don't know everything. I need to listen to something. Because so, to grow, you're, the, the Bible uses this concept of pruning, right? discipline of sometimes there's some hard truth sometimes you're somebody might have to confront you sometimes you might hear a sermon that steps on your toes and you're like ow i don't like that and that will kill your maturity instantly if you say i don't like that that kind of hurts i don't i don't agree with it i'm not going to accept it i'm not going to listen to it if you come into it with that attitude and don't have the humility that says look it doesn't matter or if you're you're mad about somebody's tone well your tone is just off so i'm not going to you want the truth. You want to grow, and that takes the humility that right. says, 
even if they were a little harsh, did I was it right? Did I need to hear that? Do I need to change in that way? And so have the humility, I think, is such a big starting point. Well, a desire for truth, which I think we're going to get into a little more later, but that desire for truth is truly, uh, it, it is boosted, or really the, the foundation of that is humility to recognize I don't have the full truth. I don't have everything. Now, we've been given the gospel, we've been given that, but I'm not fo- following it perfectly. I don't know everything there is to know, and so I think there's that aspect, and also you alluded at the beginning, something we talked about off air, I think we have to recognize our own depravity, our own sinfulness, how how sinful we actually are. And there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I've sinned, but oh, man, do you know about so-and-so? I don't think people consciously think that very much. I think there's a lot of subconscious thought there of comparing ourselves to others and where do we fall on this line. And humility is saying, I'm the chief of sinners, as Paul talks about, right? It, he starts First Timothy in saying like, Timothy, this is the gospel that God chose me, like Christ chose me. He gave me the the word to go out and to to share with others. And so he's entrusting Timothy with this, with with the word, but he's coming back to, I'm the chief of sinners. We're talking the Apostle Paul here saying that. If he can say that, and if that's the the understanding and the humility that he has, how in the world would we come with anything different? How would we not view ourselves as that? And so we have to humble ourselves enough to say, I desperately need the gospel. I need Christ to come in and change me from from the ground up. And when we have that approach, then it makes our love for our brothers that much more and our love for God that much more. We're grateful to him, but we're not judging anybody else. Well, and you think about what culturally the evangelical community and, and unfortunately a lot of churches of Christ are kind of pushing, and that is this notion that we're basically good. Right, that oh, we're we're all kind of good people, and kind of like you said, Joe. There there are some of the you know there's there's some bad people out there. We're not those people, you know, but we're all kind of basically good, right? That that's the the comforting feeling that a lot of Christians have. Those are the sermons a lot of times that you hear where they're not going to step on toes because, let's face it, it's a lot easier to hear that oh, we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. So let's just lump everybody together into one category of basically being, you know good people with, you know, maybe a few flaws, maybe a few mistakes that we made, but we're all basically good. That's a lot easier to hear. That's a lot easier to of a sermon to preach than the alternative. And so I think that plays a role in this is that we haven't, I should say a lot of people have not developed this attitude of humility because they've been told that they're basically good for their entire church life. And I think a lot of that really starts with, uh, with young people initially is that you don't hear those stepping on your toes sermons as much because we're, we're too busy telling everybody Y'all are in good shape. You're doing great. You know, the encouraging sermons, you know, and if there is a step on toe sermon, it's something that, again, we we kind of couch the terms and we're not, we, we make sure to try and not be too harsh. So I think that's something that we desperately need to consider and check ourselves on. Is that something we we believe that we're, that we're basically good people and don't really have a lot of things to fix? And even if not good, good enough. Yeah. There's one other thing right. I want to get to. How much time do I have here? Uh, we got two minutes. Two minutes. All right, let's hustle. Five. Okay, so all three of us were raised in the church. We grew up in the church. And I've written on this before, and a lot of people related to it, is when you grow up in the church and you're a basically good kid, you weren't a party animal, you don't have the history maybe that some people have. Some people come into the church with really rough lives in their backgrounds and all that. You don't have that, so you feel pretty morally like I was never, you know, yeah, I needed to repent of some sins, but it was uh, this, that, or the other thing. So... That humility has to be gained is to realize even if I didn't do the bad sins, 
every sin that I have is awful. You know, I, that I, I, I can't save myself. I can't make myself good. But the other thing is Bible knowledge. I went right. to VBS. I went to Bible class. I went to Sunday school. I, I know the stories. I've been through this. Yeah, okay, the gospel faith and works and righteousness and obedience and all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the Bible is a book you can never get all the way to the bottom of. So we need to realize that and, and have the humility. I don't know everything about it. And even if I knew a lot of the technical stuff about the Bible, you can know the technical facts about the Bible, but that doesn't mean you've known God through it, which is the point of the Bible. And and so that was the issue with the Pharisees. Jesus says, you study the scriptures thinking you're going to find life in them, but they're pointing you to me and you're missing the point. And so when we have that lack of humility of, yeah, yeah, no, I know these things. And so we're not really plugged into our learning, to our growth, to all that. Basically, I, I already know all this. There's no humility to say, I've got a lot more to learn because I need to grow closer to Christ, and this learning is going to help me do that. Mm. That's right. such a good point. All right, we are at, fellas, 30 seconds early. How about that? All right, we're saving some time. Joe, right. looked like you are about to go into something else. I, but I, was, like, I was about to, and I looked at it like, no, no, I won't, I won't be that guy. Right, we're going to start number two. number two. Will, you're going you're gonna to take number two. Yeah. Go. Yeah, so, and uh, yeah, timer started here. Um, when it comes to, again, asking this question, how do we become more spiritually mature? And maybe if you're asking the question, what level of spiritual maturity am, am I right now? This is something that I brought up and and we wanted to include it. Are you recognizing the paths that are leading you to temptation? And let me let me clarify what I mean before I get these other guys in. It's one thing to know, okay, this is what I'm tempted by. Maybe you're somebody who is not tempted at all by uh, alcohol or, or something like that. Maybe you're tempted by uh, lust. Maybe you're tempted to gossip. Maybe you're tempted. So there's a difference in recognizing, okay, those are the things that tempt me versus what are the paths that lead me toward that temptation? So the, the example I gave or that I give typically is uh, prom for young people. We had a think fast video on it months ago. Now I encourage you to go back and watch it. Um, we had the discussion is prom in and of itself, you know, dressing up, going out to eat, that kind of thing. Is it wrong? Okay. Maybe not necessarily on the surface, but what is it? And the point that we kept bringing up is it is, pl- it is leaving the door wide open for temptation and, and setting, taking young people, setting them on the path to that temptation, pushing them to, uh, you know, forward and saying, all right, go walk down this path, but make sure and don't succumb to the temptation. And so that's what I mean when I say it's one thing to recognize, okay, I'm tempted by lust or I'm tempted uh, to, to gossip. I'm tempted to, to cuss, whatever it is, and recognizing, okay, what are the paths that take me to that? What are the, the, the activities, the behaviors? What are the people that, man, when I hang around them, I'm, I'm much more likely to indulge in this temptation, recognizing that that's a path, and then removing yourself from those situations. When we had that prom episode, I put a lot of the blame on parents that send their kids to prom because, yes, in a perfect world, a 16-year-old Christian should be spiritually mature enough to recognize that this is not something that I need to be plunging headfirst into. But if a 16-year-old should be recognizing that, then a 46-year-old parent certainly should be recognizing that. Should certainly should have the spiritual maturity to know I'm I'm shoving my kid headfirst into temptation. And so from a personal level, not not a parenting perspective, but on an individual level, recognize what are the paths that lead you to temptation and making sure you don't take that path, right? That's the Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the paths of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. He removes himself from that situation. So to me, guys, you can get in on this. One of the aspects of of getting to the next level of spiritual maturity is not just 
do you know what tempts you and and instead recognizing do you know the paths that are going to take you to that temptation and are you avoiding those altogether i think the key there is the avoiding them because this is way easier said than done because as you were thinking or as you were saying about the gossip my mind was was going to we may have those friends we all may have those friends where you get on the phone and man how easy is it to run people down how easy is it to gossip and i'll say it this is specifically said in in a couple of paul's letters to women because it's very easy for women to get on the phone and go did you hear about so and so this happened in church yesterday and did you catch this and you catch that you're going to have those friends, and the question is, are you willing to either set parameters and boundaries around those friendships or get rid of them altogether? This is where the rubber meets the road is I recognize, man, yeah, boy, we can just get gossiping about some things when we get on the phone. Yeah, but what are you doing about it? It's the same thing as guys, I deal with guys with right, that's that, the sh- point. that struggle with lust all the time. That's why I think your avoiding is so key. Now, and, and also to say, that's also why we wanted to start with humility, and that's one of the points we didn't get to necessarily, but that starts with all of this is because we have to be humble enough to say we need help. And we need to make sure we're avoiding these things. And it starts with humility to recognize these paths. But yeah, I work with guys that struggle with lust, of course. And um, man, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing about it? Well, you know, I just learned that basically I could find any way around it. And so, no, I don't have covenant eyes. No, no, I haven't locked down my phone at all. Yeah, I got my tablet and my computer and my phone that are all used for porn. And you're going, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, these things are taking you down that path or that they're very easy to go down that path because there's no blocks on them. Yeah, but I just find out a way to get it anyway. Like, but that's not really showing a heart for wanting to avoid it, is it? That's showing a heart of, of pretty much giving up. You're, you recognize the ways to temptation and you say, well, what are you going to do? Uh, I'll always find a way around it's, it. It's that's like the with, right heart. with young people. It's like with young people and dating being by, by themselves. Yeah, that's exactly you know, it. It's like, that's a path wide open for temptation. Recognize that that's something that you're not capable of handling. If you struggle with pornography, man, get your phone out of your room. You know what I mean? Like right. there's so many ways that you can recognize Set restrictions. Yeah. And again, for, for adults as well, not just young people, that this is a path that's taking me towards temptation. Let me remove myself altogether. But that takes a level of spiritual maturity. That's right. the key. Well, and so Hebrews 12, 1 comes to mind of we're running this race, and he's, he's talking about setting your eyes on Christ, running with endurance. We've got the cloud of witnesses of Hebrews 11 and all those things, but he says, lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. And it is this decision that if you want to mature and if you want to run this race, you want to get closer towards that finish line toward Christ, you've got to drop some things. And and I think everyone knows that when you become a Christian. Okay, i got to stop sinning. But you also have to cut off the things that would draw you back to that. You don't want to go pick those weights up again and try and run the race again. It's it's ridiculous. I want to run this race as well as I can, so I want to just jettison anything that is getting in the way and, and just drop it off on the side and just leaving that door open, leaving just that, uh, oh, well, I'll stop and take a look. Well, then you're not running a race very well, you know, uh, and I mean, could you imagine, you know, you watch the Olympics, you know, they've got the sprinters or whatever that, or the, even the long distance runners or whatever. And, you know, he stops and sees like the hot dog vendor in the stands like, huh, oh, okay. You know, like, dude, what are you doing? Get back in the race. And, and when you leave those paths to temptation open in your life, those friendships, those resources, those, you know, just things that you might do. It's, it's the same thing as that as running a race and looking and turning, oh, there's a hot dog and cotton candy. Right, and to use an and to use the food analogy to take it even further, if you're trying to lose weight and be healthier, you're not going to stop at Krispy Kreme, right? That's something you know that you're not going to do because you're trying to to 
to reach a goal of being healthier and losing weight. So there's certain places you're not going to stop. There's certain foods you're going to completely stay away from. You're removing yourself from those situations. Again, that's maybe a watered-down analogy, but it certainly applies here. Well, and, and so this is all about the spiritual maturity is about taking it from the intellectual level to the actual, like to the action level. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. And so as spiritually matured, avoid it like the plague as much as possible. Recognize where you're tempted. It's very easy to drone on about somebody else's sin. What's your sin and how are you avoiding it? Guys, whew, seven on the dot. Man, that's pretty good. Um, got that in right there. Okay, we're going to head into the next one. And I, I figure I'll take this one, fellas. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and hit start on this. And that is the next way to be spiritually mature is confessing your sins to one another. I've talked about this a lot, Jack. You've talked about this a lot, even in your book. Will you've, you know, we've all talked about this, but it's really, once again, it's really difficult to do. And anytime you're talking about spiritual maturity, of course, it's easy to go, well, read your Bible more, pray more, right? We wanted to dig into the difficult things, but it's also things like, yeah, we know this, but how do we tangibly do it? And so, fellas, I'm actually going to kick both of you off, kick it to you guys, and and I want your thoughts on. Specifically, how do we bring this about? We all know, confess your sins one to another, right? We we, we know James 5.16, and we know these other passages where, you know, 1 John 1 of, of confessing our sins with walking in the light, right? We get it. We logically understand it. We it, it is, but unfortunately, it stays theory too much, I think. It stays too much on the logical, not enough on the action. And it is a supercharged way, in my opinion, to become spiritually mature because you're being more open, you're being more honest, you're being more... Uh, intimate, really, which is that vulnerability. You're being authentic with one another. You are growing your relationships with one another, but while you're doing it, they're helping you out of sin, which is growing your relationship with God. I think this is one of the more supercharged ones on our list, personally, in confessing your sins, but guys, I want to kick it to you. How do we tangibly do this? Not just talk about it, but really get down to confessing our sins. Well, I think we brought this up before, so I'll be brief, but one of the ways to me is to stop associating confessing your sins to one another with the invitation. Mm. That's not what we're talking about here. Yep. We're not talking about somebody you know, walking, coming forward in front of 250 people and generically saying, I've struggled a lot lately, I'm asking for prayers. That's not what we're referring to. Um, that's not what you read in the New Testament. What you read in the New Testament when you see verses like confess your sins one to another and bear each other's burdens is... Figure out what is an obstacle in your brother or sister's Christian race and do what you can to help them through that. And to do that, you actually have to know what the obstacle is. You have to know what they're dealing with and then vice versa. You have to be willing to share that burden, share that obstacle. And to, again, we've echoed this before, I'm pretty sure. We don't have a lot of congregations that have that culture. It's more of a put the face on of I'm doing great. Hope you have a good week. I'll talk to you in four days as opposed to Man, how is your Christian race really going? What are the struggles that you're really dealing with? We don't have the a lot of places don't have a culture of of, of sharing with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, I've really been struggling in X Y Z area. We just don't have that culture. So, Jack, I'll ask you, how do we develop that culture? What are the steps? So, let's say somebody's in a congregation where the, maybe the situation that I just described is the one that they're in, where there's not that culture. How do you start? Where, where do you where do you get started? I think the leadership needs to be very intentional about this, of being in their people's lives enough. Because it's also Galatians 6, about bearing each other's burden, says you who are spiritual. You need to be selective about who you're confessing a sin to. It might You don't want it to be somebody who is going to get bad advice, somebody who might run into the sin with you, who somebody who you know just isn't going to help. 
and that spiritual leadership, even if they're not an elder, you know, but the more mature, you know, the older ladies, uh, you know, the, the people who have been Christians for a while need to be intentional about creating the kind of relationships where, you know, there will be that openness. And you can share stories about yourself, you know, that don't even have to be confessional in the moment. But, you know, here's here's something I struggled with and, and here's how, you know, God helped me through it. But the other thing I think that is really important is ask, pray you know tell god look i know this is something you want me to do i know it's something i'm supposed to do i don't know who i can go talk to about it put somebody in my life help me find that relationship you know or two or three of them of people i can talk to because if if you want it if if you're showing god hey i'm really serious about this i want to do what you want me to do he's going to help you do it number 1 number 2 if you're serious about this confession and and about having these kind of friends you start being preemptive about it. I mean, I think we've probably had texts among the three of us of, you guys, I've got this coming up, and I know this is going to be high stress. I don't want to do something or say something that I shouldn't. I don't, you know, can you guys pray for me through this? Or, you know, just things like that. And so it's not even just always, I did this thing, it was bad, I need prayers for it, but pray that I stay strong through this. And if you don't, you know what? Guys, I've just been really impatient lately. I've been kind of angry lately. Guys, I've, you know, Joe's brought up the lust and the porn thing. You know what? I I had a struggle with this. Or I I went somewhere and there were people and I'm really fighting it. That kind of thing. You just put those things out there and you have those people. It's really helpful and uh, it, it brings about that humility. It is really hard to be an arrogant, prideful Christian when you're having to tell somebody else, well, um... I'm not doing too good about this, or, you know what, I'm not a perfect person, as Will brought up, you know, how are you, good, how are you, good, but when you say, actually, I'm not always good, I have this problem in my life, I'm not perfect, I'm not better than anybody else, you know, that that really builds a bond between you, but also grows you closer to God. Right, this is an, this is an especially big struggle for men, right, because right. typically men do not like being vulnerable. We want to appear as though we have it all together. It's weakness. More so than women. Right. We don't like to show any weakness. And so if you're a guy listening, you're more, more than likely you're going to struggle with this more, but therefore it's going to be something that you need more because let's face it, we don't have it all together. Us as men have struggles that, that are incredibly difficult. And if you have this mantra of, well, I'm this macho guy that doesn't have any issues, Odds are you are struggling spiritually, and you need to find people that you can be vulnerable with. And as Jack said, not just anybody that comes along, but somebody that you trust, somebody that's spiritually mature in your eyes, and so somebody that you can be vulnerable with and share those weaknesses with because everybody's got them. The other thing is men do together. I'm going to just say real quickly, men do together. We don't get together and talk. So we need to be working on growth together, working on, you know, uh, bettering ourselves and that gives the opportunity to sit and talk and and talk about how we need to in ways we're not doing it and what you need to recognize is why you're so afraid to tell somebody else and what it's going to go down to is i'm afraid they're going to reject me i'm afraid i'm not going to be worthy of love in their eyes if they only knew this about me they would they wouldn't love me or they wouldn't like me and the reality is first off god always loves you and god is always happy when you're confessing sins and trying to get out of it so Make sure you're grounded in the love of God and you recognize it. Second off, if they're the type of person that's going to walk away when you say something, you know, when you confess sins, you didn't need them in your life anyway. And they need to check their heart because they are they stand condemned in front of God. So make sure you're the type of person that's listening to somebody else that, that you can accept it. But also don't let that hinder you from doing what you need to. Recognize God always loves you and he'll, he'll always be there. 
We ran 15 seconds over on that one, fellas. That's okay. Um, Jack, ah, Joe, come on. Uh, hey, hey, well, you guys left me so much time, so I appreciate it. Um, but number four, Jack, go ahead and get us in. Yeah, well, these are two that you guys brought to the table. We didn't want to get sure. on here and say, how do I grow as a Christian? Well, read your Bible, uh, pray, and go to church. You know, like, th- those are great starting points, but everyone knows to do those things. Um, but Bible knowledge, growing in knowledge, is a really important thing, and I, I like the well way Will put it, as we were discussing it before, of looking to excel in your Bible knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's a big book. As I said before, you're never going to get to the point where you know the whole thing. The greatest scholars that spend... 10 hours a day pouring over the Bible for years and years and years, still at the end of it are finding stuff. And so really take it as a a badge of honor to, I'm going to know this as well as I can, uh, is the first half of it. Knowledge is what we're going to talk about here. There's two sides of this, but we'll start with the Bible knowledge part. Well, and I think so, and this is kind of goes to what I was talking about at the beginning, that so many Christians are just comfortable where they are. They've, they've, They've obeyed the gospel. They know the plan of salvation. They know the basics. They know their Old Testament history. And so they're comfortable, right? They, they, and so they kind of plateau in their Bible knowledge. It's the same mindset of, okay, well, I've graduated college. I don't need any of that stuff anymore. I'm not really going to try to broaden my horizons. I'm not going to really learn. My learning is done, right? right? That is typically not to rail on public schools, but that's the way public schools train us is that learning is done for this amount of time, for these years, and that once you're done with it, you're done. Congratulations. You don't have to do it anymore. And I think a lot of people, again, view their Bible knowledge in the same way. And so one of the things that that I brought up is that you need to look at yourself and 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 ask yourself, okay, what are areas that I am biblically knowledgeably weak? What are areas that I need to grow? And again, as we've discussed this entire time, speaks to that humility point that that we started with. But it, it it's understanding. Look, there's never needs to be a point where I reach a plateau in my Bible knowledge. Do I know Paul's letters as well as I should? Do I know my Old Testament minor prophets as well as I should? you know, what are the, what is my Bible study, uh, routine right now? And how can I grow in that? Again, there's so many people that they're comfortable with their Bible class and their sermon, and they'll call it a week. Look for ways to excel. As Jack said, look for ways to, to, to climb in your Bible knowledge rather than just staying at the same level for X amount of years, which not to bash the older generation. I think that's what a lot of the older generation does because we hammer the doctrine stuff so much. Again, the plan of salvation, no instruments, no women, taking leadership roles. We think that if we know that stuff, that's pretty much all we need to know, and we can kind of stop there. But Joe, what do you have to add? Yeah, I, I think you said it very well. There's a lot of older members. Vody Bachman's got a great quote about bricklayers, right, where you lay bricks for 60 years, and then somebody comes up to you and go, hey, you know, so how do you lay bricks? Oh, I don't know nothing about no bricks. Like, you've been doing it for 60 years. At least you ought to have been. A lot of older Christians that they didn't know they were supposed to, I think. It's like, well, we knew what we needed to. And so your point is very valid, Will, of excel still more. Um, well, and this if is you're why struggling... You, you, why go to church you know, Sunday and Wednesday is not a path to maturity. It helps, right. but sermons right. and Bible classes are never going to get you there on their own. I think there's a lot of people though that say, okay, I get that. I read my Bible, but what else is there to get out of it? And so two points. First off, go back and listen to our Exegesis podcast. I think uh, Denny Petrillo, Dr. Petrillo is, is fantastic. He's one of the foremost scholars, in my opinion, in the church um, with with what he has to say. And so go back and listen to that. But I'm going to go off for a second. In that, in that, real quick, in that episode, we got into, okay, how do I get past just reading? What are some ways yes. that I can you know, pull more from the text than, okay, cool, I just read it. What are ways I can meditate on the text? That kind of thing. So right, continue. right. So, so here's my hot takes with Joe moment. Um, 
because and I've talked about trying to do this maybe here we go yeah I'm, I'm gonna try to keep this brief since <laughs> I only got seven minutes probably good for me since I don't I can't go off for 10 minutes uh, we talked about doing a, a think fast I've been pushing the guys on this and they've been hesitant because we don't want to get canceled here's the deal I grow very weary of Church of Christ people sticking with Church of Christ authors only it is an echo chamber well did, did brother so-and-so write this I don't care is it factually correct? Is it is it based in scripture? We have marriage books written by fantastic people that know so much about marriage. Are they off on the plan of salvation? Yes. Do I consider them a brother in Christ? No. At the same time, their marriage advice is spot on. But we are going to stick with the two people that have ever written a marriage book in the Church of Christ that doesn't really help. Like, come on, people, wake up. If you want to grow up in your spirit, like grow in your spiritual maturity, you need to get outside the echo chamber and you need to push yourself a little bit and get into ideas. Jack's, you know, Jack got us into this through new eyes. Um, is, is it's such an interesting book. I think the guy's Presbyterian, but the way he looks at scripture is thousand percent different than any church of Christ person I have ever heard. And I'm very well read in the church of Christ. I understand a lot of church of Christ authors. They look at scripture differently. The, the, archetypes and, and, and things like that that they get into, that he gets into. Uh, I think it's James B. Jordan, right? Um, fascinating. Fascinating stuff. But because we say, well, it's not Church of Christ, I won't read it, we are robbing ourselves of so much biblical knowledge just because they don't have the plan of salvation right doesn't mean that they don't view or that they view all of Scripture wrong. Same thing with, with studying the attributes of God. For instance, if you're wanting to learn more about the holiness of God, R.C. Sproul's right. The Holiness of God book outstanding you know but because rc sproul is not a member of the church of christ so many people are well nope sorry not going to read that one and real quick before i hand it over to jack to kind of add on to this point before we we get the retorts of you know you absolutely cannot say this this is something you're going to lead people astray go ahead and start writing a whole new songbook because every <laughs> single right. basically every single hymn that we sing was penned by somebody that is not a quote-unquote member of the church of christ so again, a lot of people are going to be very quick to to, I guess, cancel us for this for this uh, hot take, Joe. But again, take a look at your hymn books. Go and research some of those people that that wrote uh, the, the hymns that we sing every Sunday. They weren't Church of Christ. Nobody's getting up in arms about that. Jack, what do you have to add? This is where I'm going to disagree just a little bit, and that I don't oh, know wait. that this is for everybody because as we're talking about maturity, it's very much a milk and meat thing. Is I you know I don't feed I would agree my, with that. my my kids. Uh, stuff that has bones in it, because we, we use this analogy of spitting out the bones. There's bones to spit out, even in Sproul's work and in and, and all these guys. We have things we disagree with. You have to be at a level of maturity to spit that out. And not everybody reaches that level of maturity, Not especially at the start. You know, you really kind of need basics. You need stuff that where you can just believe what you're reading. And then as sure. your your knowledge grows, you, you can get to the point where you can read something and go, okay, he's off about that, but 90% of this is useful, so I'll take that part and spit out the bones of the 10%. Um, but I, I would be very careful with a blanket caution to everybody. Sure. I would agree. I, I mean, we're, a blanket we're endorsement blow. to everybody. I'm going to give a caution to the blanket endorsement. We're going to blow past the seven because I'll... I'll uh... I'm going to, you know, get back to that. I agree with you that there needs to be a time. At the same time, this is where I think our next point, we actually probably could get into our next point, but I don't want to dip into that one about mentorship, that having somebody to explain those things would be great. How many Church of Christ guys do you know? I can think of a, a specific um, publication 
that is Church of Christ, he's a brother in Christ, and the things he writes is complete garbage. And if you believe them, you are going to be led astray and you're going to be off concerning critical race theory and a lot of other things. Oh, but he's Church of Christ. So he has the plan of salvation, right? Yeah, and that's about it. He doesn't have anything else right, but because he's Church of Christ, we'll listen to it. You'd so have your to spit point out. Is you can't just read that. Correct. And it. You'd have yeah, to spit out the bones fair. on that, too. And so I feel like just because they're a brother in Christ doesn't mean that everything, that includes us, doesn't mean that everything we say or everything they say is a thousand percent gospel. And just because somebody isn't Church of Christ doesn't mean that everything they say isn't a thousand percent true concerning other things, maybe not with the plan of salvation. Uh, you got to be very wary reading reading a John Piper, you know, big Calvinist, things like that. Of course, we're not Calvinists, but I agree with you, Jack, that there is a spit out the bones mentality and we have to make sure that we're not choking on them. We have to be old enough for that, but we also need to be very careful with some of our Church of Christ authors that you may need to spit out some bones there as well. And this is why having a strong spiritual mentor, let's get into the next one. Um, a strong spiritual mentor. How long do we go on that? That's 845. <laughs> that's not horrible. That's not horrible. Okay. I, we could have gone a lot longer. But I am going to introduce the next one, which, okay, so just to kind of go over what we have so far, we have humility in terms of growing in your spiritual maturity. Be humble, right? Humility. Can, um, pass the temptation. Understand those. Confess your sins to one another. Your Bible knowledge and, and, you know, broader reading, kind of expanding your horizons a little bit. And then this fifth one is, is mentors slash role models, really seeking out somebody who is going to help you in your walk. He's going to help you. He or she's going to help you with temptation. They're going to help you um, understand your own paths and how to avoid those things. They're going to help you understand the scriptures more. You can go to them with church Christ or non-church Christ and say, hey, I read this. What do you think? Is this accurate? And you know, you got a brother in Christ or sister in Christ who's been in the church for a long time that says, actually, this is, this is wrong and let me show you why. Let me read in scripture. Not because, oh, hey, this is the way we've always done it. No, this is what scripture has to say about it. Let them walk alongside you and help you. I think the roles of mentors, and we talk a lot about discipleship, has very much been lost. Um, we don't know what discipleship means. We don't know how to do it. You got a lot of older Christians that, once again, I don't know nothing about no bricks. Like, I don't know anything about, about scripture. I'm not one to mentor. And on the one hand, this goes to humility. You know, we talk about um, being humble, but Paul also says, imitate me as I'm like Christ. And I don't view that as, as him not being humble as my, I used to, as much as Paul saying, I am on this path, follow me. And I think we need a lot of older Christians who are willing to do the same and say, I'm on the path, follow me, imitate me as I'm like Christ. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm confessing my sins to you still, but the same way Paul can look at Romans 7, you know, write Romans 7 and say, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death, right? Like, but it's so important to have a spiritual mentor that Paul recognizes himself as a spiritual mentor to Timothy and Titus and for them to put themselves under Paul and to listen and to to read his letters and to put those things into practice. So if we want to get spiritually mature, I would say pick somebody out in church that you know to be spiritual, that you, as Jack referenced in Galatians 6, that you know is on the right path and say, hey, would you please help me learn how to study? Would you please help me learn how to pray to God better? Um, would you mind coming by the house? I'll come by your house, right? I'll bring you a cup of coffee. I'd like to just sit down and read the Bible, whatever it is. Fellas, thoughts on that? This is one of the... Sorry, Jackie. Okay. Uh, this is one of the areas that Joe and I overlapped when we first came to the table this morning with uh, you know, things that we believe will help in spiritual maturity. And the way that I put it was purposely surround yourself with those who are spiritual, spiritually mature. And this is, this is common sense, right? The most, you think about the most successful businessmen in the world, 
who do they surround themselves with? It's usually not bums who are lazy and not working very hard. They're usually surrounding themselves with people who are pushing the new better. Same thing with, with great athletes. They're not usually surrounding themselves with unathletic people who are, again, trying to bum off of, bum off of them and not really working all that hard. They're, they're surrounding themselves with people who are pushing to be better. And that's one area that I specifically uh, encourage young people is, look, Surround yourself with people, you know, it's, it's, again, it's common sense. Evil company corrupts good habits. Surround yourself with people who are spiritually mature so that they can push you to that level. If you're spending all your time around people who are, again, uh, to go with this other stuff, not humble, again, pushing you toward a path to temptation, uh, you know, not really biblically knowledgeable, then odds are you're going to to trend in that direction. And that goes for young people, that goes for older people alike. And so one of these levels of being spiritually mature is look around your congregation, look around the, the people that you spend time with and honestly evaluate what is their spiritual maturity. Are they at a level that I want to be at? And if so, look for ways to to spend more time with them, to learn from them, to to push them to be to be better. Jack, I'll hand it to you in a second. Just as an example to this. Joe and Jack are five to six years older than Jack. You're what seven, eight years older than me. I don't want to put you on the probably spot more here. than that. I don't. But, yeah, I don't want to count. <laughs> but I have made an effort to, and probably in in their younger years, bug these guys enough to to stick around and hang around with them because I recognized they are people that I want to be like when I hit their age. Their spiritual maturity is a level that I want to be at, and so. You know, in a time when I could have been, you know, I guess more closely associating with people who were, again, were goofing off, doing whatever, I tried to choose these are the types of people that I'm going to model myself after. And again, that's not to toot my own horn or boast in any way, but that's something I would encourage young people, teenagers, but also older people as well. Well, I appreciate well, thanks, that. Thanks, man. And that's, yeah, I appreciate it. That's the hard part is, you know, I'm not going to call myself a mature person in, in that sense, you know, with the age that I have, but always realizing the influence you have and, and it's one of those things that kind of shocks you is that even in your youth even as a teenager the younger kids are looking up to you in your 20s the teenagers are looking up to you and and that continues on and uh, so especially those who are, are members of the church who have been christians for 30 or 40 years realize that internalize that and say you know what i am a leader in some sense i am somebody that others are going to be looking to i should have wisdom to bring to the table i should should have something to offer them and you know the bible expects that it talks about titus 2 the older women taking the younger and teaching them how to love their families and and to uh, be the woman they're supposed to be and paul mentoring titus and, and these kind of relationships are so crucial to the work of the church and so you know i you guys kind of took the the angle of go seek that person out for sure i'm going to take it to the other side we have people who listen who absolutely need to be in they're in the phase of life where they need to have people under their wing and they need to have people that they're helping out that they're blessing and don't don't be another item on the person's schedule you know that that's going to be a harsh thing come into their lives go over and hang out with them and their kids you know eat dinner with them invite them over to your house for dinner go help them out uh you know show that you care that whole thing about they don't, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care show them you care about them as a person and that you want to help them spiritually be that person for them impose a little bit on them because yeah it's uncomfortable this isn't easy to do impose yourself a little bit get yourself into their lives you know, ask them how they're doing and let them know your intentions of, you know, hey, I want to be there for you. I want to help you grow spiritually. I see, man, you got a spark for God. Let me, I'd love to be a part of that and to help you along in that, whatever it may be. And the if other thing somebody I would say, offers that to you, take it. 
That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, and one thing I'd say is, if you don't have this person at your church, I realize there's some listeners who go to small churches, whatever it is. Maybe they're not spiritually mature. We live in the age of, of social media. I'm not a huge fan of this, but at the same time, if you find somebody on Facebook or find somebody that, that you know, that you see, man, they're really spiritual. They're posting a lot of things, a lot of good stuff. They're, they're praying for people. Direct message them. Hey, would you mind praying for me? Like, Start learning from these people and recognizing that, that you have a you know, an amazing resource there. So let's get into number six, unless you guys have anything else for, for that one. I think we're right at the timer. So we'll, we'll move on to number six. Um, and this is one that again, Joe and I kind of overlapped here. So I'll let him kind of state the way he put it. The way that I would consider the listener to evaluate this one is ask yourself, how do you view biblical slash spiritual discussions, biblical slash spiritual talks, and so the way that I put this one was, if you're looking for ways to be spiritually mature, don't relegate biblical or spiritual discussion to four hours a week. There's a tendency to view in-depth biblical discussions, spiritual discussions as weird if it's outside of the church building, right? Again, we kind of relegate that to Bible class, maybe when we're at a church event. But when we're around the dinner table, when we're out to eat with with friends or when we're doing whatever— if the talk turns to, to biblical or spiritual topics, we kind of get squeamish, right? We, we, we kind of get uncomfortable because, oh, it's, that's kind of weird. It's a lot more fun to talk about, you know, fantasy football or what's going on with the family or vacations or whatever. Politics. And so if we're – right, politics, you know, what's going on in the economy, that kind of thing. And so, honestly, that's not that fun to talk about right now. But anyway, um, if, you're, if you're looking for, okay, what, how do I – take the next level or, or get to the next level of spiritual maturity, ask yourself, how do you view biblical discussion? Is it something you run away from? And if so, start to run towards it. Again, this goes back to the one that we talked about last time is surrounding yourself with people who are spiritually mature. Find those people and actively engage in biblical slash spiritual discussions on a Tuesday night at dinner or on a you know Thursday morning group chat or whatever it is. Don't view that as something, well, that's I'm kind of uncomfortable with that, and so we'll just do that during Bible class hour. No, look look for ways to foster that environment of having these biblical spiritual discussions. But Joe, you had it a bit of a different way, so so get into to your side. Well, I love your question, and I would ask the the other question of, you know, if you're struggling with this, how much are you interacting with the saints apart from Wednesday and Sunday? How much are you in their homes? How much are they in your homes? How many? I love the group text idea, right? The group chat. Like, how often are you interacting with somebody from your church? outside of the the appropriate times, quote-unquote. I, I think this is a... Jack, you speak to this a lot in Church Reset and the importance of being in one another's lives consistently. We see this in Acts 2, 42-47, right? We all read that as, like, that's kind of the pinnacle of what we're looking for. Um, and they're constantly devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to breaking bread. And what that means is they're in each other's homes all the time. They're around each other all the time. It was not like, oh, we're devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching every Sunday when we get together. Like, no, no, no. This is happening all the time. And I think in terms of growing spiritually, that's going to grow you relationally more than anything. You're going to get to know people at your church. You're going to be very close to people at your church. And that, in turn, I think will spark the other aspects of what we've been discussing with the mentorship and such, which will grow you spiritually. So I think the relational turns into the spiritual how much more do you want to show up to church when you know people at your church and you know they care about you and you're praying together and you're in each other's lives and you know they're coming over on Friday, right? And so you see them on, on Wednesday. It's not going to be that long till they're in your home and you're talking about things that happen on Wednesday and you're getting ready for Sunday and, you know, where you're actually going to be worshiping God, but you're building the relationships during the week that pay off 
every Sunday. So it's a celebration when you get together, not like catching up for the week and, oh, how's it going? It's like, man, I've seen you. I've texted with you three times this week. I've seen you twice, you know, outside of the regular times. It makes such a difference on the relational level. But Jack, I want to bless Will. It looked like you had something, but I want to. Keep I was going to say that's the, that's the Hebrews that's the Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five thing, right? It's a lot easier to for, to forsake the assembling of ourselves together if you don't have that connection, right? If it's like, well, these are just people that I see a couple hours a week, so it's really not that big a deal. It's a lot easier to do that if you don't have that connection that Joe was just when you're letting people yeah who are you letting down right if if they're in your homes all the time like you're letting them down when you're not there on Sunday when you're not there when when the church is getting together and you physically miss it like and we get to hear it at Jackson Temple like I physically miss it when I'm not here and that's really cool but that's because we're with each other multiple times a week yeah it's just there's so much that comes out of sitting across the table from somebody of uh, how familial that is how how little you're able to get to know somebody in the everyday interactions that literally the only way to get to know each other is sitting in your home or another home or in a restaurant together and having that time the face time of uh, the the kind of i mean there have been people that i've gone to church with for years and you you barely know what they do for a job that's the first question you ask somebody if you sit down to a meal with them and then you have another hour after that to get into stuff of where you're from and your story. And, and you, so you start to know each other that way. And so then, as you, you guys brought up, the spiritual discussions, those barely happen. We Even in the church building and passing each other, oh, did you catch a game yesterday? You know, things like that. So at what point are we going to even have these conversations if we're not putting the time in? And so you've got to put the time in. And then when you put the time in, I, I use this distinction a lot. I've written on it, talked about it. Uh, fellowship is good, putting time in together, spending time together, but you could have fellowship over a football game. Spiritual fellowship is better of where we're talking Bible. We're talking, hey, let's, you know, bring up the sermon. Hey, what did you think when he said this? Or, you know, I had never thought about this point that he made before and talk about that or how it hit you or what you've been studying lately or anything, bring, bring something spiritual to the table. And one of the things about this is when you engage in these conversations, if you don't have anything to bring, it gets exposed pretty quickly. And that's a good thing because then you should go, you know what, I I really need to step my game up. I need to get in my Bible knowledge more. I need to have that humility to realize I'm not putting the work in. All these things we've talked about lead up to this. But then when those conversations come out, the third level is that personal spiritual conversation. What does it mean to you? Not what does it mean to you, but how does it hit you? How is your walk with God? How can I pray for you? Then the confession of sins. But you don't get those. They, they come in levels. You've got to have the fellowship where you get to know each other. You gotta have the spiritual fellowship of of shared interests, and then personal spiritual fellowship. You gotta build all three of those levels, and it doesn't happen overnight. It you know you can think, well, we're supposed to be close with each other. We're a family. Even family has to put in the time to stay checked in with each other. I love that. Right, that's the other thing is that word that word family just gets thrown around very cavalierly these days when a lot of congregations aren't really acting like a family. It's easy to say, well, we're a family. We're a family here, like. But what does that look like? Do you bear one another's burdens? Do you share struggles and sins? And and are you around each other as much as you possibly can be? You know, like, that's what a family does. Good, bad, or otherwise, whether you're frustrated or not, that's what a family does. And so let's not use that word cavalierly. I think that's a great point, Will. Good stuff. Fellas, we are at seven right now. Perfect. We are going to get into our last one. Last one. Jack, you want to take it away? Yeah, I would say, if you're looking to spiritually mature, look to take on a responsibility in the church. Look to serve in some way. Now, Joe, I think you want to talk about spiritual gifts and and what you bring to the church here. That's important too. 
it's and that's something that as you mature you'll start to get a greater sense of but just on day one walk in and realize you know what I might not be mature. They're not going to ask me to get up and preach. I'm not going to lead songs. I'm not going to teach the kids Bible classes as, you know, if you're a woman, you know, those things that we have, those aren't going to happen. What can I do? Can I be the guy that sticks around after potluck and helps clean up? Can I be the guy? Uh, we, Joe and I have a friend. Uh, we uh, were, we attended at Bear Valley Congregation with him for years. Uh, I don't, I doubt he listens, but if he does, shout out Daniel. The quietest guy in the world. He'll readily tell you that. I mean, just total introvert i'm an introvert he's a super introvert right he when he showed up uh, to bear valley as a preaching student made it his job to get there well before anybody else and be the guy that held the front door open he knew everybody in that church and everybody knew him as the most shy guy in the entire place everybody knew him first name basis because he'd hold the door greet everybody with a smiling face that's all it takes be that guy uh, be that woman, be that just the person that, that does something like that and says, how can I help? What can I do? How can I be a part of this? And, and if you do that, man, you, you start building that connection with other people that we just talked about. You start being somebody that's relied upon, somebody that the church looks at and thinks he's part of us, she's part of us. Find a way to serve in some way. Find some responsibility to take on as part of the family. And the spiritual role that I was, or the, the spiritual gift is coming in the context of Ephesians 4 there, which I want to say 15, 16 is, is about which every joint supplies, right? Every, every joint does supply something. Every part of God's body, of Christ's body in the church, supplies something. Recognize that in yourself. Recognize, I do provide something here. It's so easy to show up on a Sunday and be like, yeah, I'm a member here, and I know a lot of people, but that's that's kind of just what I do is I show up on Sunday. Like, the church, if we take that to be true, the the you know that part of Ephesians four, the church is worse off if you don't show up on a Sunday. It ought to be. I, I think it is. I think that's what Paul is saying: is every joint supplies something. So get to know what you do best, or or what your spiritual gift is, or what you can offer the church, and give it. and And it's easy to kind of have it be. And we were joking. Will and I were joking about you know what's Will? What's the number one spiritual gift? <laughs> the gift of encouragement. The gift of That's encouragement, everybody right? Says, everybody yeah. says I'm an encourager. Okay, if you're going to claim that, you better be the be- best encourager that you can be. You better be a Barnabas out there if you're going to say my gift is encouragement, where you are encouraging every last person. You're showing up early and, and being there. Like, if you're going to have a gift, use the gift to God's glory. And not everybody's going to be gifted with preaching. Not everybody's going to be gifted with encouragement. Like, find out what you can provide to the church because the church is worse off without you. I want to speak to that real quick as well. I mean, we think preaching, teaching, evangelism, maybe song leading or something like that. Okay, well, I don't have those, so I must be an encourager. That's the only one left. No, in fact, the 1 Corinthians 12 list, it's interesting. It has administrations and helps. And you look up those Greek words, and it's kind of vague of helps. It's just kind of that service of that person that's there, that person that has a hand to lend, that person who, there's and there, you just meet those people, that we're all supposed to be servants, but some people just have that gift of helping, doing the right thing at the right time, of of lending a hand, the administration thing, of organizing things, helping put things together, helping schedule things, put on events, things like that. Really big deal, really needed. Um, be that person. This is one of the things I wanted to bring up at the start, and I know I, I'm kind of the one that typically jumps to the way we have low expectations for young people quite a bit. I think this is one of those areas that it is evident more than ever. You think about the question, why aren't our, 
or why aren't many Christians looking to become more spiritually mature? Again, kind of what we started with the episode with. And you think about a young person who gets baptized at 12. We belabored the point before that when they're in the youth group, typically or when they're a teenager, they're not expected to do very much. They're not expected to spiritually mature. They're not expected to be responsible to take on these roles as Jack has been and Joe have been talking about. Then they go to college for four years. So maybe they come back at 22. They've now had a decade of not being expected to be spiritually mature or to, to, to seek to be spiritually mature. Why would they start now? Right. They, right. They've been as a Christian for 10 years and they haven't taken on these roles, these responsibilities, because they haven't been expected to. They haven't been pushed to. They haven't been looking for ways to become more spiritually mature because, again, it's they're not being pushed in that direction. And so, again, they, they go to college, same thing. They're in school. They're not expected to do much. They're not expected to spiritually mature. They come back at 22, 23. Why would they start then? They don't, they don't know where to start, and there's not a lot of people that are expecting very much. And so then that you understand why we have so many 30-year-olds, 35-year-olds who are not looking to become spiritually mature because they had a decade off. And again, why would they start now? It's like being on a 10-year vacation. Pretty hard to start work after being on vacation for 10 years, right? And so I think, again, not to constantly go back to the, the way we expect so little of young people, I think that very much applies here with this point of finding a responsibility, finding a way to serve, but also with this this discussion overall in the sense that if we want our average Christian to seek to be more spiritually mature, it's got to start, you know, at, at the starting line. It's got to start upon baptism of, of figuring out, okay, where do I need to go? What direction do I need to head? And how am I going to get there? If we take 10 years off and come back at 22, 23, okay, now I'm going to start my Christian race. That's a problem. Starting That's a problem. line, running the Christian race. This sounds like a good book idea somebody should write. You know, sometime. it does. <laughs> yeah. It does. I think Focus Press produces one along those lines. Oh, yeah. wow. Do you know the author? Is he, is he pretty smart? I do. I do. Some some guy named Brad Harib and Will Harib. Yeah. So, oh, okay. I, I, I certainly haven't read that one, but it is a good idea. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Liberal. Uh, spit out the bones. <laughs> yeah, it's a Church of Christ <laughs> author there, Joe. So. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> But anyway, no, I think well, well, I think that's a a fantastic point, and you know, where Jack, do you have anything to add on? Because I was going to kind of use that to to roll into a conclusion here, because we're at six thirty six. No, I I missed a minute there because my something happened in the house, and Allison's like, "Did we just have an earthquake?" So I don't know what that was. I got to go figure it out. We're off. We're off here. So I, Uh my train of thought is gone. So you go ahead. Yeah, I was wondering. I thought I heard something, and then you stuttered a little bit, and I was like, "Uh, "What is that?" So yeah, no, that's uh, hope. Hope everything's good over there. Um, a earthquake in Middle Tennessee would kind of be weird, but you know, stranger things have happened. Either way, um, I think Will, your point of of look, we can't expect young people to take ten years off, but we we can't expect the old people once they retire to take ten plus years off either. Right, that, that's the that, other side of the that's point, the other yeah. side of it. Everybody and so, has an excuse not to serve. That's exactly is, it. Because is kind of the issue is everybody has a point at which they can say, ah, I'm busy. I've got something going on. I'm I'm in the middle of something. I'm I'm too old for it, whatever else. Every joint supplies. There, there's no bench warmer Christians. And again, as you guys said, just saying, well, I'm an encourager. As you said, really be one if you are, but it's probably something else, and you should Look probably for find a way to use it. That. Yeah. Right. You may be the best prayer prayer or uh, however you want to say it out there some guys are just gifted some women are, are very gifted at praying though i i'm sure that they don't pray in front of me but yeah <laughs> but I, i'm sure there are gifted women out there who are great at praying um i i can think of one guy back at bear valley who's just every time he got up to pray is like my goodness this is unbelievable it just 
beautiful prayers. Use that to spiritually encourage people. Like it's Romans 12 has a list, right? Of mercy and all these things. I don't want to go into it all, but dig deep, figure out what way you can help the church, what responsibility you have in the church, use it to the best of your ability. And so to wrap up, I'm going to go over these all one more time. We started with, in terms of being, being more spiritually mature, humble yourself. Everything starts with humility. You have to recognize where you are lacking and have the humility to accept some correction and training or proof. Um, so be humble. Second, understand your paths to temptation and, and do something about them. Don't just understand it. Do something about them. Figure out how you're going to avoid those and stay clear away from temptation because Satan is like a lion seeking those whom he may devour, right? Prowling around. Third is confession. Confess your sins to one another. We we gave hopefully some practical ideas. There's no easy way to put that. There's no easy like ticket to, oh, this will just make it super easy. It's not easy. If it was easy, more people would do it. But that is a, a surefire way to really start boosting our spiritual maturity. Fourth is Bible knowledge, to excel in your Bible knowledge and to excel in your reading. Um, maybe even going outside Church of Christ. If you're comfortable, I'm not condemning you if you don't. I'm just saying, I think if you really want to grow in your understanding of, of the Word of God and you're really struggling to understand, okay, what more can I do than read? Read some things that maybe challenge you a little bit um, would be great. Fifth, seek out a mentor or seek out somebody to be a mentor to, to be a role model to. Um, sixth is make sure there's spiritual fellowship and spiritual discussion outside of the building, outside of Wednesdays and Sundays. Pursue that with every everything that you got. Try to get together with Christians multiple times or be in a text thread or be on a Facebook group or whatever it is. And seventh and finally is understand your responsibility in the church and use that. Be of service. Find your spiritual gift, whatever you want to say, but be of service to the church. Help out in whatever area you can, um, obviously for the glory of God, but also to help the church, to help one another and for you to grow spiritually. So, fellas, anything you want to add to that toward the end? As, as always, if we left one out, something that has really benefited you, something that you see as a great way to again, achieve the next level of spiritual maturity, leave a comment, YouTube, uh, Facebook, make sure and let us know. Uh, we encourage the discussion. Again, these are areas that we need to be helping each other. These are areas that you need to be looking around seeing, okay, where do I need to improve, but also how can I help others? So again, as always, we encourage the, the comments and the feedback. Good stuff. All right, Jack, anything else? I guess you got to go check yeah, out your I earthquake. I want to thank the people that suggested this. We always want suggested topics, so that's good in itself. But number two, it's great that there are Christians that say, I, I want to grow. I'm not really sure how. I haven't been given a path how. Uh, and so we hope this helps in that manner. Um, but, but yeah, just have that attitude to always want to grow. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Thanks, guys. Let us know in the comments. Send us some, some more suggestions. We'll get to them for sure. Um, but we, we appreciate everybody listening, and we will catch you again next week.